Amen. Okay, remember 515, bus, bus people. You are dismissed to your classes. Adults, Acts chapter 2, please. Talking about the passion of the early church. We got a new member in the family that's here right now. Samantha Azriel Duran. <laughs> I don't, is she in here right now? Oh, we got another one too. I didn't see Sister Sandra. We got Hannah also. Hannah's with us today. So we got two new ones. Two new babies today. They're just, they're beautiful. Praise God. Isn't that great? So we got two more to go. Hallelujah. Two more to go. If nobody else has one or is going to have one, we got two more to go. Isn't God good? Amen. Sister Priscilla and Sister uh, Jolene. Yeah, that's right. Wow, God's good, isn't he? <clears throat> That's kind of the way the Catholics have uh, church growth. Did you know that? They, they preach against contraceptives. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. They, see, they want church growth. That's the way they evangelize. Amen. Acts chapter 2, in the word of the Lord. Are you there? Okay, let's start. We got to verse, let's start at verse 6, okay? Talked about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the manifestation of Jesus. Of course, Pentecost is Jesus. You understand that, right? Pentecost is Jesus. It's a, it's a type, the feast, it's a type of Jesus. But at Pentecost, you can say, is Jesus. Also, the sound is Jesus. The fire that's set upon their head is Jesus. A manifestation of Jesus. Speaking in tongues is a manifestation of Jesus. The Holy Ghost is Jesus, right? So all these things you're reading here are simply manifestations of Jesus or Jesus himself. Not second person or third person. And so the outpouring of the Holy Ghost took place on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, right? Who started the church? The Lord started his own church. The Bible says in verse 5, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And we talked about how the passion of that early church, it, it reached beyond culture. It reached beyond age. Right? Okay. Acts chapter 2 verse 6. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed, say all amazed, <clears throat> and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And it lists about 17 different uh, cities here. Of course, these are all Jews here from these different parts of the world. 17 different cities are mentioned there. And then it goes on and it tells us here in verse 12, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full, say full, of new wine. <clears throat> See, if you get these kingdom keys, as you go through the Word of God, you understand these kingdom keys, it will unlock the whole Word of God. See, it tells us here, they, they looked at them and they said, These people are full of new wine. Well, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. But it was likened to new wine. So 
These keys will unlock all of Scripture to you. It will unfold things to you that hasn't been seen before. If you understand kingdom keys. You understand that, right? I mean, see, well, hallelujah, I'm going to start preaching here. But Do you understand what I'm telling you? You know, it's not like God is, you, you, you know, you pick up the telephone and you, you say, okay, God, what, is, what meaneth this? You know, and you've got a, you know, a line, a hotline straight to heaven, and he tells you everything. He gives you kingdom keys. And if you know those keys in the Word of God, he's already laid out, then you can go through the Word and use those keys. It's the king keys of the kingdom, not keys to the kingdom, keys of the kingdom, which means he gives us keys to unlock different aspects of the kingdom. So if you want to know how, how do we come to conclusions and understanding the revelations of the Word of God, it's understanding keys of the kingdom, Okay. So anyway, the scripture says this uh, again. Other mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up. Say, standing up with the eleven. Lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Whew. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And I think I'll stop right there. We'll, try to get, we'll see how far we get. I was going to try to preach the whole Acts 2 last week, but I can only get through the first few verses. But, but God's good, isn't he? <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word right now, Jesus, your awesome name, your spirit. God, we ask you to have your way in our midst, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for filling us with your spirit. We thank you for your name. We're here to glorify you, here to lift you up, God, here to be challenged, God, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be blessed, to be motivated, God, for your purpose and your kingdom. Give us a vision, Lord, of your kingdom. And we give you glory and honor and praise. For as we study this act, book of Acts, we understand how the church is supposed to be. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Well, the Holy Ghost was poured out, and when they had the manifestation of Jesus, or manifestations of Jesus, the Bible says this is the response of the people that were around them. In verse uh, 7, it says, and they were all amazed. Say, all amazed. <clears throat> Do you have enough of God and enough passion that you are causing people to be amazed? They had so much passion and so much God in them that people were amazed. Do we amaze anybody in our walk with God? Do people look at our lives and say, those people are so close to God and have so much passion for God. Do they look at you and say, they are amazing. Ooh. Boy, that, it, it, that made you think, didn't it? See, when we are walking like the church is supposed to be walking, you will blow people's minds. You will amaze them. There is nothing passive. It is not a sedated Christianity. 
It is something that causes others around you to be amazed. And if you're not causing people around you to be amazed, then you don't have what the early church had. But I'm here to tell you, you can get what they got. In fact, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the same Holy Ghost they had, and you should cause some people to be in amazement. I should cause people to be in amazement. When was the last time people got around you and said, Boy, you're amazing. Or God is amazing in you. Your church is amazing. Think about that. When the Holy Ghost is poured out on these people right here, they were amazed. And it says it more than one time. Hallelujah. Now, we amaze people other ways. We should be amazing them with the power of God and the truth and, and being passionate for God and being so passionate for God that we amaze people with our commitment and our devotion. Whew, hallelujah. But on the other hand, the church today amazes people the other direction. Well, you got God? You know God? You walk with God? We amaze them the other direction. Whew. You believe in heaven? You believe in hell? If I believed in heaven and I believed in hell, I sure wouldn't be passive like you. See, we amaze people the other direction. But when you really believe in a heaven and a hell, you really believe in a Jesus and you're full, full of the Holy Ghost, people are going to say, yeah, I can tell, you know. Now watch this. <laughs> Some people came to our church one time. They walked in. They, after the service, these people said, these people take their religion serious. Because they've been to other churches, you know, it's just go to church, go home, live like a devil the rest of the week. Have no power, no passion, no fire, no light, no strength, no wind. No hurricane or thunder or lightning going off in them. No manifestation of Jesus in them. It's just religion. But they come here and they look around and say, boy, these people take their religion seriously. They shouldn't come here and say, man, those people are dead. You should never go to a conference anywhere or to another Pentecostal apostolic church anywhere else and walk out of that place and say, what has happened there? Why are these people so dead? You should never walk out of that church in amazement and say, wonder what happened there. They're supposed to be the people of God. They got the truth, the name of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. And the, what happened here? You should never walk out of a church, an apostolic Pentecostal church that way. You should walk out of that church and say, hey, those people are fired up. From the old to the young, from the young to the old, those people are fired up, full of the Holy Ghost. They praise God. They shout. They got a passion for God. They're not lukewarm, passive pew setters. Because if you got what they got, you're not going to be a passive pew setter. From the old to the young, you're going to be fired up. You're going to have manifestation of Jesus. And it's going to cause people to be in amazement with your supernatural walk with God. And it has nothing to do with your personality. Well, I'm just kind of quiet and I'm kind of shy or I'm educated. 
And I just don't act like you people because, you know, I'm dignified. I'm Are you with me here? Has nothing to do with that. Give God some praise. In Ethiopia, the princess of Ethiopia was converted to this faith. To this apostolic faith. I said the princess of Ethiopia. I'm talking about royalty was converted to this faith. And she prayed, and she fasted, and she sought God. She was committed, and she was loyal. Don't give me this stuff where my social strata won't let me get passionate. Or my education, or the lack thereof, or my personality, or my culture won't let me get passionate. I'm telling to tell you what you need is a good old baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what you need is to understand what the church is really all about so that when the enemy comes and talks to you and says, now just shut it down just a little bit. You're getting too wild. You're getting too excited. You're taking your religious too serious here. When you first come into church especially, you know, sit down. When you first come into church and you want to go to church on Sunday morning, you want to go to church on Sunday night too. And then Wednesday, and then sometimes you got a family night, and then sometimes Thursday you got a prayer meeting, a ladies' prayer meeting, and then every morning, hallelujah, you got a prayer meeting up here in the morning, and you want to go to church and pray in all these days, and then you got revival on top of that, and then you got choir practice, then you got bus ministry, and, and then you got home Bible studies, and oh, I think you're getting a little bit too serious about your religion but you haven't even began nor have I even begun to touch the surface about what God church is really all about it was not uncommon to see people like sister Celia right there go to the house of God even when she's gone through surgery or when they were sick even many of them dead on their deathbeds were carried into the house of God they lost all excuse they didn't let their sickness keep them from the house of God. Even if they were on their deathbeds. I had a missionary friend. Uh, he was a pastor. And I, be, I was his assistant pastor for a while in Crane. And he was a missionary to Brazil. And he told me about a man they brought into the service on his deathbed. And God raised that man up off of the deathbed. And I asked him, I said, well, and he was an unbeliever, by the way. He wasn't a believer. He was an unbeliever. They brought an unbeliever on his deathbed in that house. And God raised him up and asked Brother Purcell. I said, Brother Purcell, I said, did the man live for God? He said, no, he never lived for God. And that kind of shocked me because this man experienced a very powerful miracle raised up from almost, literally death. But he never would live for God. I said, well, how can that be? Why would God heal that man? And then he didn't get saved because God's a good God. And because that church in Brazil had faith and had power and they walked with Jesus, a man on his deathbed brought in the church of the living God and was raised up. I want you to know something, church. God is calling this church to believe him for miracles and to walk with him passionately. Woo, hallelujah. It's not uncommon to see the true church have people like Sister Celia. I'm going to church. I don't care if i got to get there in a wheelchair. 
I got. To, I don't care if I got to walk all the way from the other side of town. Hallelujah. We had we've had people like that. They're so passionate with Jesus. If I got to walk all the way from the other side of town to get to church, I'll do it with my babies in my hand, walking down beside me, one one baby in my hand, and then they get picked up and give a hundred dollars to boot. Picked up, brought to church, give a hundred dollars to boot, and wanted to give that to the church. That's a little bit. You're taking your religion too serious, don't you think? I don't think so. Give God some praise here. This church was a church on fire. It was full of passion. It was full of commitment. It caused people to walk in amazement at those people. And I want people to be amazed. Don't you? Not like, not like this. Not like, hmm. Wow. Man, those people know God. Those people are sold out to God. Those people are committed. Jesus is not on the back burner in their life. Jesus is number one in their life. Jesus is not number two in their life. Jesus is everything to them. Woo, give God some praise. The passion of the early church. I think Brother Jonathan would have fit right in at that church. I think some of you would have fit right into that church. Hallelujah. I pray to God, and I believe with all my heart that this kind of people is not extinct. There are a lot of, lot of animals that God created that are extinct. But I believe this new creation that God brought in on the day of Pentecost, that there are a seed, sons and daughters who came from this church that were brought into the kingdom that are not extinct, that there is a people in the world today that had the kind of walk that these people had then, that we are not an extinct group, that we can find our roots in a Pentecostal apostolic church, not a denomination, but an experience and a doctrine. Give God some praise. Woo! Give God, I said give God some praise. If you come across something, you come across a dinosaur that you thought was extinct, you look at that in amazement. It would blow your mind, wouldn't it? How many of y'all ever seen a dinosaur? No? You think it kind of shocked you a little bit? That's why when you really walk with God the way these people walk with God in the early church, as far as the religious world is concerned and this world is concerned, that kind of people is extinct. They don't live. They don't exist anymore. And so when they come across somebody like you who come from them, who have a passion like them and know the God that these people knew, it'll cause them to look at you in, in amazement. Woo, I love it. Hallelujah. When they come in the house of God, woo, they stand back in amazement. Some were amazed. The Bible says some were confounded. <laughs> some said, what means that? What does this mean? Hallelujah. Or can they come in and figure out everything that's going to happen? They know what's going to happen from point A to point B or C or whatever. They, whew, you know what? Why don't you just amaze me sometimes? Why don't you just amaze God sometimes? See, I told you a long time ago that if I can't get you with anointing, I will get you with shock. 
because I made up my mind a long time ago not to be the average Joe or not to be mediocre in the kingdom of God. So if we can't get you with anointing, we're going to get you with shocking you. We're going we're gonna to shock you. We're going to cause you to walk out in amazement. And there should be something about your life that says the same thing. So why don't you amaze me sometimes? You know, I'm going to come in there and sit there dead, dead like a wooden Indian. Hallelujah. Shock me sometimes and get out of that pew. I, I always see this guy right here. He's like a flash of darkness. He's like a, like a cloud going by me, you know. I see him all the time like that. And then I see him sitting back here, you know. <laughs> You know, why don't you shock me, hallelujah? Why don't you shock me? And why don't you be one of the ones to get up here and get full of the fire of God and the power of God? Why don't you shock me someday? You're used to sitting on the back pew. Why don't you shock me and start sitting on the front row? Why don't you shock me instead of coming in late all the time? Say, I got to get to the house of God early because I got to get a front row seat. Because I don't want to just sit back there and feel the aftertakes of the explosion. I don't want to just hit, get, get hit by shrapnel back there. I want when it goes off, I want it to blow me to smithereens. But I don't feel anything. Who told you you wait for a feeling? I stand up here in faith and anointing and begin to preach when I feel absolutely nothing. You're not waiting for a feeling and you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel anything and I don't want to be a hypocrite. Please be a hypocrite. See, I saw a look on somebody's face. I just shocked them. You understand know what I'm talking about? Let me clarify. I don't feel anything, Pastor, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. Please be a hypocrite. Because you don't have to wait for a feeling. You just move. Because you've got faith. And because you believe. And you're full of the power. And you know the truth. You know how many millions of people are going to church today and don't know anything about truth? and have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost for themselves, don't know anything about the name of Jesus in water baptism or the oneness of God, do you know how privileged and how blessed you are that out of millions of people, you stand in the house of God today and the Word of God has been preached to you in truth? And you have experienced what these people experienced. If that's not enough to cause you to get up and move... When billions of people don't know what you know and billions of people haven't experienced what you experienced, when they see you, they should say, wow. There's a God like that. He's alive. He's not dead. There's something more to this than religion. There's something more to this than just going to church. Are you thankful for the truth? 
when millions of people are going to church today and don't have what you have and don't know what you know and haven't experienced what you've experienced, and we can say, well, I just don't feel it, Pastor. Oh, come on, church. We should have a walk with God, a passion for God that caused people to be shocked. This is, I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm going to give you the Carter translation. They were all shocked. Well, if you don't like that one, go read some other ones. I got a bunch of them. Some said they were bewildered. Well, that's pretty much being shocked. Give God some praise. So I can just add my Holy Ghost interpretation to this and tell you that the people that were around them were totally shocked. They didn't have the Holy Ghost. They didn't experience the Holy Ghost, the people around them, but they were shocked by what they saw because they saw a manifestation of Jesus and you are the body of Christ and so there should be a manifestation. You are His body. When you walk in this earth, you should impact this world. I know these people are not extinct. Because I'm looking at some of you now. When I turned the service over to Brother Bunch, a couple of Sunday nights back, I said, I introduce you to a church on fire. And I didn't have to hold myself back when I said it. I believe with all my heart. Hello, I want to be like the church. I want to be like the prototype. I want to be just like the pattern. I want to shock people. I want to amaze people. I want to walk with God so close and have so much passion and so much fire. <laughs> Woo, give God some praise. And the old enemy come on your son, your son said, that can't be you. I'm here to tell you right now, it can be you. It can be you. It can be this church. I believe it with all my heart. I've got a vision. I said, I've got a vision. Give God some praise. That's why we are preparing. Five years down the road, the goal is to have a new sanctuary across the street because this building, this sanctuary is not going to hold everybody. I'm telling you right now. Because the God we serve, oh, hallelujah, is a God of multiplication, not just a God of addition. The book of Acts begins out, you know, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And it talks about they were multiplied. The more multiplied to them. So it went from addition to multiplication. Say Holy Ghost arithmetic. Woo. Let me read a little bit. Y'all scaring me. Got uh, the whole church up here. Shocking me. Hallelujah. I don't know what to do with you. Can I tell you something? If you'll get a hold of some passion and fire and worship, all the problems you left at home today, or let me put it this way, that you brought from home today, they'll be swallowed up into the glory of God Almighty. You'll walk out of here a brand new person. You'll walk out of here changed. Not just challenged, but changed. Say, Holy Ghost arithmetic. Wow. Talks, all right. Woo. 
list all these various people you know. Hallelujah. They said, in verse 12, said, again, they were all amazed and were in doubt. Some of them were doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others were mocking. Hallelujah. You know what? If you're walking with God, you're going to have people mocking you, people walking in doubt. Some amazed. That's all right, too. At least you're getting some kind of response. Now, verse 14, but Peter's standing up with the 11. Standing up with the 11. I feel like Peter. I feel like Peter this morning. Standing up with the 11. Look at this. Look at this Holy Ghost arithmetic. Starts with one, Peter. Then it goes to 11. And then it goes to 120. All right, you know, 120. 3,000. One, 11, 120, and 3,000. Say Holy Ghost arithmetic. Peter standing up with the 11. It wasn't a one-man show. It wasn't Peter, you know, and then the 11 on the fringes. This early church doesn't have people on the fringes. There's not people way back there on the edge, you know, just barely wanting to get into this. The Bible said he's standing up with the 11. The 11 are there with him. They are surrounded with him. Give God some praise. He wasn't going to do it by himself. There was, a, there was a group of people who were with him, not just barely out there on the fringe, but who were with him, who were united, who had the same purpose and the same goal and the same desire. And that was that the kingdom of God would be, say, with. So have you amazed some people with your passion? Don't, oh, yeah. Oh, don't. See, I'm getting afraid of y'all. I tell you what, when you get with the church instead of on the fringe of the church, not halfway in and halfway out, but all the way, you will affect your generation because this is Holy Ghost arithmetic. One, 11, 120, then 3,000. Don't stand on the fringe. Get passionate. Get in this thing. Don't get a reputation of being somebody that's just on the fringe. Get a reputation. Man, that person walks with God. They, they're almost fanatical about prayer. Fanatical about worship. Fanatical about God. Look at snipes up here. Hallelujah. Man, he's ready. He's ready to snap devils. You'll never be happy on the fringe. Knowing what you know and having experienced what you have experienced, it is impossible for you to be happy on the edge. There's nobody more miserable in the world than an apostolic Pentecostal person who's just on the fringe of the thing. I know what I'm talking about. Ooh, hallelujah. But when you get in this thing and you get passionate about this thing, there's something about that joy begins to break loose and, and life begins to flow out of your spirit. Something begins to happen in you. Because you were not meant to be happy on the fringes. You were meant to stand up with the set man. Give God some praise. 
That's Holy Ghost arithmetic. How many are with us? Yeah. Wow. Just, just y'all, just back up just a little bit, would you? Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Right there, y'all. Brother, brother, if they rush the stage, just kind of make a chain. Get these brethren up here to make a chain. If they rush the stage, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> if they rush the stage, catch them. They got something in their eyes right now. <laughs> some, pa some passion's got a hold of them. Just, Brother Mark, you take care of this side. They start rushing this, the stage. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what we need? We need some guys. <sighs> Put, to wear shirts say bodyguard on the front and stand up here in front of the platform hallelujah when people say well who, what are those people doing well in case the congregation rushes, rushes the platform we got men standing there waiting <laughs> they're bodyguards <laughs> Woo, give God some praise we got to put bodyguards up in our church to catch them when they rush the stage Hallelujah. Look, look at old brother Patrick Flores right there. He's already, come here, brother, turn around. Come here, stand real quickly. You, Patrick Flores is your name, right? Brother Patrick Flores. Very quickly, don't procrastinate. Hallelujah. <laughs> turn around. Uh, 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 driven by the Spirit. I like that. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll, just, we'll just put him right there, okay? Hallelujah. Because he's driven by the Spirit. And if you rush the stage, you got to go through him to get there. <laughs> Driven by the Spirit. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah! Passionate about God. Causing people to be amazed and walking in Holy Ghost arithmetic. How many of y'all are passionate about what you, what you know, what you've experienced? You're never going to be happy out there on the edge, on the fringe. Sister, see you. Come on, you can come back up here. I don't think I, I don't think you're much danger to me. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Unless God just happens to heal that foot right now, you know, then I better watch out. <laughs> God can make me eat my words and just heal her right now, you know. <laughs> she, and if she rushes the stage, y'all just let her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Give God some praise. He's an awesome God. Woo. <laughs> We're preaching this book of Acts probably like you've never heard it before. <laughs> but Peter standing up with the eleven. Lifted up his voice. Say lifted up his voice. You know, he, he wasn't like he was... Doing a golf tournament. And, and, and Tiger Woods is a par five. And Tiger Woods just, he just missed the chip shot. When you come to church, it's not supposed to be a golf tournament. 
Brother Andy. <clears throat> Peter lifted up his voice. <clears throat> I've had to come in here and say, boy, I would go to that church, but they're just too loud. Praise God. Turn it. You didn't go to a golf tournament today. You came to the house of the living God. He said to them, you men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Hallelujah. Seeing it's but the third hour, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, it's 11 o'clock right now. We're two hours past 9. nine oh, it's too early, Pastor. Don't you know it's a Sunday morning? Don't you know I just got out of bed, and I barely could get out of bed to get here? Don't you know I did good to even get to church today? Don't you know I did good to get out of bed today? Don't you know 9 o'clock in the morning, they were already drunk on the Holy Ghost at 9 o'clock in the morning. They were addicted to Jesus. Who I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Don't tell me when you come to church on Sunday morning, you got to fight that, you know. Well, I just got up, barely can't, barely could get here, fight with my kids, had to get them ready. Had... Well, I said I had to get my husband ready. I had to get me ready. I had to get my kids ready. I had a fight on the way to church. Barely got out of bed, barely couldn't make it. And you want me to come in here? And you're telling me, Pastor, you want me to get drunk at this early hour? I'm telling you that by the time you walk out of this house, you should be so full of the new wine that some of you need to be escorted by somebody else to make sure you get home, that you don't have a wreck somewhere on the way. Or if you get pulled over by the policeman and says, why are you swerving like this? That there's somebody that can explain to the policeman that they've just been to church, sir. That's happened. Heard about some women in a Pentecostal service, left the church service, started swerving in the road. The pastor just happened to be following Policeman pulled them over. They had to explain to the officers that these people had just been in a Pentecostal church, that they weren't in a bar somewhere. Do you have that kind of passion? Do you have that kind of new wine inside of you? Come on, so it's real. Almost every time we get together, I see some of you drunk. <laughs> And before it's all over, I'm telling you, I'm going to be drunk before I get through preaching today. Because I can't remember a time that I stood behind this pulpit. But when I walked out of that pulpit, I felt drunk as a... Hallelujah! But you got to give yourself to it. Nobody's going to make you drink. And, and, and brother, but we don't drink in the morning. <laughs> this early church did. Well, give me till give me till six o'clock service. <laughs> and traditionally, Pentecostal services are called 
the evangelistic service. Because that's when they're counting. Now listen, I'm Pentecostal apostolic, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> but traditionally, it's the evangelistic service, right? Because that's when we all get together and we expect God to really move. We're going to go to church tonight, boy, we're going to have a move of God. Woo, it's going to be awesome. And what about what happened Sunday morning? What happened at 9 o'clock in the morning? These people had a powerful move of God in a morning service. Some of you are going to leave here, and you're going to be driving a little funny. Just be careful when you're driving the bus. Brother Eloy, just, you know, if you seem swerve a little bit, yeah, you take over. We'll see. You two are now in competition <laughs> to see who will outdrink the other one. There's nothing like this. There's no experience like this. And I feel it like a rushing mighty wind. I feel it like a flow of water. It's like wine going forth in this house today. Even the babies in Azusa Street. You study the Azusa Street revival. The latter 1800s, early 1900s in that time frame. The Azusa Street Revival in California. When the whole, these people got together and started seeking for the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. They said, you know what? We believe we can get what they got in the early church. And in California, listen. California started praying and seeking God. Not just one day out of the week or two days a week. They had service every day of the week. I believe it went on for three and a half years. Every day of the week they had church service. Come on, give God some praise. Missionaries from the foreign field flew into California to hear about the mighty move of God in America. And when they got there, the testimony was this, that even the babies were swaying under the power of the Holy Ghost. Even the babies were swaying under the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, I refuse to be a dead tribe Pentecostal. I refuse it outright. These people were passionate. When some of your babies, Sister Sandra, when your baby starts swaying under the Holy Ghost and she starts acting like a sapphire, you come let me know. When she starts doing this, hallelujah. Or Azrael, Samantha, Azrael. Starts doing that, Brother Patrick. She starts swaying like a sapphire. You bring her up here. Hallelujah. That's, I'm telling you the truth, church. They spoke with tongues. They were drunk on the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't teach him how to speak in tongues. They didn't walk up there and say, ta-da-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta-ta
when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, those people stood up. It was like a mighty. It was a flow. There was no doubt they got the Holy Ghost. But today people are taught how to speak in tongues. Say after me and say it as fast as you can. Glory to God, are you here with me right now? But what we have is the real Jesus, the real outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You have experienced it. I have experienced it. That's why when you move in the Spirit, you will get drunk like they got drunk. Because if you've got what they got, then you'll act like they act. And if they got drunk, so will we. It's Bible. It's not just crazy emotionalism. It's Bible. It's a real manifestation of God. It's real. Don't let anybody tell you it's real. You know, they come in and say, well, I think that's just all emotion. And I don't believe, I don't believe you can speak in tongues today. Well, you came too late. Because you're looking at a tongue talk, Holy Ghost tongue one God, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, Jesus' name. You can't talk me out of it. I already got it. And it is Bible. It's in the book of Acts. If you don't believe me, let us read it. Hello. Are you hearing me? Give God some praise. Hmm. God has a church in the earth today that's going to manifest these things. And uh, give God give God a hand clap of praise. And I want to let you know. I want you to let you in on a little secret. So you want you know the hardest part is to get the train moving. It takes the most power to get it moving. Once it gets moving, then you got to keep it going. Because if the train, if you ever let the train start slowing down again, then you're going to have to, uh, uh, but just keep it going. See, the way that God moves, His Spirit moves, is what. That's why I preach like I do. I don't. I don't try to go back. I try to go forward. I try to. Ha! That's why if you ever get out of your pew, unless you're told to sit down, you just keep moving. Hallelujah. You keep moving until we got to peel you off the back wall. Are you hearing me today? Aren't you glad you're a part of this? You thought, you thought we were crazy? You thought you were crazy? And now, you know what? You found it's in the Bible. I guarantee you, most of us haven't been to a psychiatrist in a long time. So you call me crazy all you want to. You call me drunk all you want to. But what I got is kept me out of the psychiatrist's office. 
What I got has kept me out of the drug addiction. What I have has kept me out of the bar scene. What I got has kept me from death. What I've got, I'm telling you right now, you can call me crazy if you want to, but this Holy Ghost salvation is real. And some of you just need to pull a good drunk in church. Sit of sitting on your seat in a seat. Give God some praise. I like what Jeff Arnold said that one, one service we saw, I showed to y'all. You know, he said some, some of y'all would make a good statue for pigeons to come put their droppings on. I love that. I said, I love that. I believe that with all my heart. There's some people I pastor to make good statues for pigeons to come put their droppings on. Hello! It's... Now, 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 Sister Virginia, I know you got your baby back there, or, or somebody's baby. Hallelujah. So, you're excused from being drunk. Ooh, give God some praise. You know what? It's taken me all about six months. But a brother Snipers up here now. He's the most passive, laid-back dude I've ever met in my life. Outwardly, that is. Brother Sniper. And now we got him looking. He's up here. He's pushing Brother Patrick out of the way. He's going to snipe Brother Patrick. Then he's going to snipe Brother Jonathan. Hallelujah. He wants to be the body. He wants to be a part of the bodyguards. See, I'm telling you, you come in here long enough, and the power, the word, the power of God's spirit, you're not gonna be able to sit on a pew very long. It's in the Bible. Amen. The prophet, prophets prophesied about it. They spoke of it. You've got it. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Say, this is that. Woo, hallelujah. Give God some praise. And it talks about the young men shall see vision. Your old men are going to dream dreams. And if old men don't dream dreams, then young men don't have visions. It's important for the old men to have dreams so that the young men will have visions. Come on, somebody. Dreams about the kingdom of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people say, well, when I get old, you know, my usefulness is just about up. Are you kidding? God is just now preparing you to do awesome things in his kingdom. You need to be a dreamer. Although I do read, and it is Bible, because I do read the Old Testament about a young man named Joseph who was a dreamer. So it's not just for the old men. Young men will dream dreams also. Joseph will dream. Come on, are you with me? Come on, somebody. But the point is this. The old men need to dream dreams so the young men will have visions of the kingdom. And this is not, this is not 
gender. This is for the old men, old women, young men, young women. Your daughters shall prophesy. See, some of y'all are so passionate and so full of God. I'll talk to, I'm talking about some of these young, young women that I have to counsel all the time. <laughs> but after I finally, you know, give them a word from God or whatever, then all of a sudden they start praising God and worshiping God. And something starts flowing out of their mouth. And the Spirit of God tells me, my hand of prophecy is upon them right now. My hand has just danced over to their house. My hand has landed upon her, and she is now prophesying now. I told him on the phone, you are not just praising God. You have a spirit of prophecy resting upon you now. And, she, and this one said, she said, I didn't even know it, Pastor. I know you really won't really know it at the beginning, but pretty soon you'll begin to discern that you're not just praising God, but that the words that are coming forth out of your mouth are prophetic. They're full of vision. They're magnifying and they're glorifying God. They are prophetic and they're powerful. One sister said, I didn't even know I didn't know I was doing that. I said, Did I, I discern the spirit of prophecy on you prophesying right now? Isn't that awesome? When you get in your prayer rooms and your prayer meetings and you're praying, all of a sudden these words start coming out and you start speaking things that have not come to pass yet as though they were. You speak them. That's a, a spirit of prophecy has come upon you. You start praying. And like we heard, you're not requesting. You're praying the answer. It's changed from a request to the answer. When you move into that realm where you're praying the answer, you are then prophesying to your need. And a lot of times when people are praying and they're touching God, the spirit of prophecy comes on them and they start prophesying to themselves. You shall prophesy to nations. You shall preach to many. There are ministers who prophesy to themselves concerning the ministry that God has for them. Come on, are you with me right now? It's not just the man behind the pulpit. It's for the church, the body. God wants you to prophesy. Your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. You'll get in prayer, and you'll be praying about the church, direction of the church. All of a sudden, whew, words start rolling off of your tongue. You start seeing things in the spirit that God's going to do in this church. You start seeing yourself doing things that you've never done before. That God is taking you in a vision. He's taking you in the spirit. And then as you begin to pray, it's no longer a request, but it's literally a prophesying of the answer that's going to come in your life. If you can only get that kind of spirit rolling inside of you, the kind of spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Your old men shall dream dream. Your young men shall see vision. Your daughters shall Watch. Y'all getting this? On my servants, on my handmaids, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Say they. That means the daughters and the men are going to prophesy. I don't believe in men preachers. I don't believe in women preachers. I believe in the Holy Ghost preachers. I told you about that guy that called me up. He said, what do you think about women preachers? Because he thought I was going to be totally against it, you know. He listens to us on the radio. And I said, I don't believe in him. He said, yeah. And then he, then he goes on. He goes off. Boy, that's all he needed was it. 
And he started giving me his theological dissertation as to why he didn't believe it either. And I said, before you get too far in your conversation, let me also share this with you. I don't believe in men preachers. And he got quiet. So he didn't know what to say then. As long as I didn't believe in women preachers, he had a lot to say. But when I told him I didn't believe in men preachers, then he got quiet. I said, I'll tell you what I do believe in. I believe in Holy Ghost preachers. And it doesn't bother me in the least to have a woman of God anointed by the Spirit of God begin to prophesy the things that come in the kingdom of God. And I do believe in God's order and government and all of that. But God has made a place for women to prophesy. I found if the men won't do it, God will find a little woman somewhere that will do it. Esther, you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. He can't do it through a man. He'll do it through a woman. And sometimes he works through a man and a woman at the same time. How many of y'all got this spirit I'm talking about? Woo! How many of you been praying, fasting, seeking God, and all of a sudden, things start rolling out of your mouth? And you think you're just praying, but it's actually answers, prophetic words and truths coming out of your mouth. God is showing you things to come in the Spirit. Has He showed you anything about this church? I'm asking you, has He showed any of you anything about the future of this church? I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many dreams I've had of a very large building full of people. And not only myself, but many of you have also had the same dreams. One young man called me. He said, Pastor, he said, I had a dream. He said, I saw what looked like your house in the middle of a grain field. He said, the golden grain was bigger, taller than the house. And then the Lord spoke to me the next day in prayer. He said, what that means is this, is that the harvest is going to outgrow the house that you're in. The harvest... <clears throat> The harvest is going to be bigger than the place that you're at. It's going to be larger. That's why that house was in the middle of the field. And the field was taller than the house. You think that's the devil? I got news for you. That's the Holy Ghost that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And I'm looking at a people right now who are just like these people. Have the same spirit operating in them. But here, here is the problem sometimes is because if you haven't, if it hasn't happened to you, you cannot believe that God could use somebody else that way. That's the problem. We base everything on our own personal experience. If I haven't seen it, if I haven't heard it, it hadn't happened in my ministry, then it can't happen. Are you crazy? God has people in different levels, different anointings. Just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it hasn't happened to somebody else. Just because you're not having dreams doesn't mean no, somebody else is not having dreams. Just because you're not having vision somewhere doesn't mean somebody else is not having a vision. Are you all right, sister? I know you just had a baby, but you can still praise God. Hallelujah. No excuses. 
this is alive. This is awesome. This is God's church. This is the pattern. It's not this dead, formal, dry, Laodicea, lukewarm, powerless, spiritless, passionless church. What's this? What's this? Hallelujah. It's your kind of pass in the last days. Say, look at your neighbor and say, you're in the last days. I will show wonders in heaven. Hello, heaven. You got to understand that in the spiritual dimension, you're already in heaven. But he's also going to show wonders in the natural heavens, too. Do you believe that? Y'all get excited about angels, about the supernatural and angels and, and, and the moves of God and prophecy and visions and dreams. And how y'all get excited about that? You're a part of it. I said, You're a part of it. See, God writes with his hand in the heavenlies. He does wonders in the heavens. He writes on walls. He writes in the heavens. He writes in a church meeting. His hand is seen now. His hand is writing. Yeah! Signs. Say signs. And wonders. Is there any wonders in your life? But a snap. Hallelujah. He said, I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath. Blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, i got to get into this. A man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel, and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You know where the enemies of God are located? They're located in religion. It is the religious flesh that crucify. And yes, I do know that Pontius Pilate was involved. And I do, come on, are you with me? I know the Gentiles were involved. And I know the Jews were involved. Don't try to say the Jews weren't involved. Everybody was. Gentiles, Jews, Pontius Pilate. But I'm telling you where the greatest enemy of God's kingdom is. It's in the religious circles. They are the ones who are against the moves of God. They are the ones who will crucify you. They are the ones who will put you on a cross. And thinking they're doing God a service when they do it. Come on, are you with me? You never have problems with people who are full of the Holy Ghost, fired up and serving God. I tell you where the problems are going to come. Lukewarm, religious people sitting on pews. They don't have God in there. That's where the problem comes. I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. Give God a hand clap and praise. But watch this. You can't stop what God's doing. You can get religious if you want to, but you can't stop what God's doing. 
whom God hath raised, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. You can't hold this church down. You can't hold it back. It's his body. You can try to kill him, put him in the grave, but God's going to break you loose. He's going to break you out. He's going to give you freedom. But, but I got to get to David. I got to get to David. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he's on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. How many of y'all, your tongue's glad? Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. This is a prophecy about Jesus, right? I believe it's also a prophecy about his body. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. How many of you have life standing in you right now? Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. I got a question for you. What will you leave behind if you die? I want to tell you right now that David didn't just leave his sepulcher behind. Peter said he's dead. His sepulcher is with us today. But David didn't just leave an empty tomb behind. Selfishness will leave an empty tomb behind. And that is all it will leave behind. I'm here to tell you that David didn't just leave an empty tomb behind. He left some psalms behind. He left cohesion in the kingdom behind. In fact, he left the possibility of a new creation behind when he died. He didn't just leave a tomb behind. Do you have enough passion and enough of God in you to leave more behind than just your tomb and just your sepulcher? I don't want to be selfish and just leave a tomb behind. I want to leave a possibility of a new creation. I want to leave a preached word. I want to leave God's kingdom furthered and expanded in this earth. We've got to have enough passion inside of us for God and his kingdom that we leave something more behind than just a tomb. Don't be selfish. Leave something else behind rather than just the, the marker that marks your grave. Build an empire, not your own, but build God's empire. Build a kingdom, not your own, but build God's kingdom so that when we bury you, we'll be able to say they left something more behind than just a tomb. They left the possibility of the kingdom of God expanding in this earth. Give God some praise. You know, David was a man of passion. Jesus was the son of David. You understand? David was a man of passion. Now, I, I don't want to go wrong here with this, but I just want you to understand what I'm telling you. David had so much passion that one woman wouldn't do him, honey. I know it wasn't right, and I'm not condoning it. I'm just telling you that he was a man of passion. He danced before God with all of his heart. 
He took off his linen ephod. Wait. I mean, he took up. Took off his clothes, put on his royal, uh, the, the linen ephod. He took off royal apparel, his own royalty, his own status. He laid aside his pride, his ego, his status, and he put on a priestly garment called the ephod. And he danced before God with all of his heart. David was a man of passion. He didn't just leave death. He didn't just leave death behind. He was a man of passion who showed us how to worship God in the church age. He established the tabernacle of David. Worship 24 hours a day was set up. He showed us how to be passionate for God in the church age. He left something more behind than just an empty tomb. He was not a selfish man. He was a man of passion. He knew how to worship God with all of his heart. And of course, uh, come on, the king's daughter, Michael, who was married to David. A king's wife married, uh, come on, to a king. Daughter of a king named Saul. Looked at him outside the window and made fun of him because he was passionate for God. He said, she said to David, why do you act like a fool, David? Why did you belittle yourself, David? David says this. He said, you, you just think I act like a fool today. He said, I'm going to put it in, in, in my translation. He said, I will yet be more passionate. You think you saw me acting like a fool today? You haven't seen anything yet? David was a man of passion and the church of the book of Acts. Should be like the seed of David. People of passion. Amen. Give God some praise in this house. Don't let that love die. Don't let that fire die. Don't let that zeal die. Don't let that passion die. Dance unto the Lord like David danced. Leave something else behind you rather than just a tomb, a symbol of death. Leave something behind you that speaks of life and the kingdom of God expanding. And, and Come on, cohesion in God's kingdom. Something that glorified God in your life. Give God some praise. I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost is coming here. He's taking me over right now. He's taking over my spirit. He's taking over my mind. He's giving me revelation to give to you today. Be like David. Leave something else behind you that's more than a tomb, more than something, a marker that identifies this is a place where you lie. Give God a hand clap of praise. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. Jesus. So many times we're, we're concerned about what we're going to leave our children. And I think that's wonderful and I think that's fine and I think that is biblical. But I am telling you this right now. There is no inheritance that you can leave to your children. 
that is greater than the kingdom of God. There's no inheritance that you could leave them that's greater than implanting them this experience. This apostolic, Pentecostal experience. There's nothing greater that you could leave behind is for them to have a church that they can go and pastor in and preach in and sing in and win souls. Come on, are you hearing me right? There's nothing, nothing greater than a spiritual inheritance that you can and do leave to your children. That's my heart. Look at my children. I look at them. Jeremiah, look at Victoria. I said, God, I said, I don't care what I got to go through. No matter what kind of hell, what kind of pain I got to go through. We have got to leave something. If I die, I've got to leave something behind that they can stand up and someday worship God in. And someday stand up and preach in. And someday stand up and prophesy. And someday stand up and sing in. And someday stand up and pray in. I can't leave just my sepulcher in the place where I lie at. God's awesome. Bless you, Father. Would you lift your hands right now? Jesus. Something God <clears throat> spoke to me and showed me is that what we're doing is not just about this immediate group. That what we're doing, if the Lord doesn't come, has far-reaching ramifications, has long-term effects. It goes beyond a tomb. It goes beyond a sepulcher. Thank you, Jesus. Father, give us a passion for the kingdom, for souls, for our children to be brought up in your kingdom. Give us a passion, Jesus. Father, I praise you. Brother Andy, give me some music, please. Shalabas. Jesus. Right now, Jesus. You are God. You are Savior. You are present here among us. You've swept into this house, Jesus. 
God, I gotta leave something behind. I can only 